0: Hey, you busy? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Let me run something past you real quick. When I tell you that the anointing has felleth okay, upon me and gave me a revelation that blew my mind. Okay. So you know that I've been kind of telling you directly and indirectly that I've been having a little bit, a lot of a hard time adjusting to my new job and the way that people were speaking to me. You see my face? Okay. And the overall just dysfunction and chaos and everything that I walked into. You ever had a situation where you like you walked in with an expectation, maybe even a silent expectation. And then once reality hit, you're like, mm, it felt like one of those means like what I asked for versus what I got. That was what I was experiencing in the professional realm. And I was just like, this is not it. So whenever I feel that way, I do. What I does, which is, okay, now it's time to go ahead and plan an exit because we're not about to be sitting here and feeling like I'm in Lodabar, which is the equivalent to nothing fruitful happens there. Look at your Bible. And so was struggling with that internally. And no matter how many conversations I had with other people, with my husband, even with my own personal time, like trying to coach myself through, it just seemed like from one day to the next, I just had this indifference inside. And I was like, listen, I need a word or something that is going to just keep me steadfast. I don't want to be on this emotional roller coaster. That one day it was pretty okay, but then someone said or did something that prohibited me to be great or walk in excellence the way that I desired. Then it sent me on this rollercoaster emotional run. I'm just not interested. So I had a real candid situation. Like, look, I don't like this job, and. It took for me to be vulnerable enough to tell someone that at the job that I actually trusted. And I said one phrase and it actually opened up literally the door to my healing. And the phrase was, it was my truth. It wasn't pretty, but it was my truth. And what I stated was, I hate this job. The person was like, "Mm, come in my office real quick and sat me down and was like, what's the problem? And I was like, I'm not learning anything. I wanna be great. I feel like I'm not being led and you know, I don't care what anyone else is doing around me, but when it comes to people making decisions or the lack thereof, dragging their feet, and it pertains to me doing my tasks and the things that are assigned to me, I want to be competent. I want to walk in greatness. You know, I want to, I am one of those people that I like to get my hands on a thing and make it great and see progress. I am very much a child of God, meaning that when I'm creating something and I, I have progress in motion, I like to look back the way that God did in Genesis and say, hmm, that is good and so I can continue on and know that I'm on the right path but if I'm not feeling the progressiveness anything and my hands are not doing something that looks like there is a purpose to me being here then it starts to feel like what am I doing and this person my co-worker shouts out to her I don't want to name nobody grandbaby because I didn't ask the permission so let's just fast forward you broke it down to me in a way that I didn't see it and i'm so thankful that i am vulnerable enough and i'm reaching a vulnerable level where i am discerning who to let in because the sheer factor thumbs up uh indicator that you are talking to the right people is that it comes with a level of resolve while you give people your words and you lending or people are lending your ear or their ear rather Do not be confused that everyone who lends you an ear is just not listening. Some people are going to just gather the information they need to continue to gossip. And so I had the epiphany with this person. And it was like, look, basically, she just broke it down to you're trying to do too much in a place that requires very little of you. And I was like, hmm. (laughs) And after speaking to her, what I concluded is I am trying to bring greatness and show my capabilities and learn something new and I'm trying to be an all-star on a losing team and it the requirements for my job or the expectations for my role is not for me to be great and I was like so how am I supposed to sit in a place knowing that I have the ability to really conjure up some greatness turn some stuff around get some order in place bring up morale like I'm talking about I can I can visually see it I can sense it it is so close I can taste it I know what my hands are capable of I know what my prayer life is capable of and I know that God didn't sit me here just to be sitting and so when I went back to my own office and I sat in my own seat I said either you're gonna fight against the current or you're gonna float with the boat at this point in your life, the place you are at is not requiring of you what you wish to dish out. And I was like, okay, so either I'm going to accept that truth and apply it or I'm going to be frustrated and I'm going to run outside of God's will because I want something. and But the place that I'm at is not requiring that. And so on my way home, I'm like, okay, you know how I am. I like to go ahead and figure it out, dissect it, to try to get the fruit of it. I got the seeds from the job when I was talking to my coworker, but I'm like, I want fruit. I want to be filled with this because I believe that you need enough fruit in your stash so that if another prompting or another tempting comes up to be frustrated on a thing, you could say, nope, (laughs) I got the fruit from the last time that I resolved this. I'm just going to go back and eat it. Apparently I'm low. You see what I'm saying? So on my way home, I'm kind of like going over the conversation that I had with her and I dissect that. Pause. Am I the only person that does that? Like when you have a conversation or you heard something and it's really, really meaningful to you, you go back and you dissect it some more. Like I'm not one of those people that you have a conversation and I forget about it. No, I kind of I look at it in different ways. I give it a 180, sometimes a 360 and I'm like, oh, and I forgot that part. And then I start thinking about that more and more. That's just the kind of person that I am. Are you like that? Because sometimes I feel weird, like, you still thinking about that conversation you had yesterday? Yes, because it was so meaningful. You see what I'm saying? So I'm in the car and I'm doing exactly that. I'm dissecting, seeing what's going on. And the Holy Spirit just dropped on. (laughs) I promise you, I don't even know why people, real quick, I don't even know how people can question that there is no such thing as God God. Or that the Holy Spirit is not who he says he is. Because the things that are happening. Like th- I couldn't write this. This is There's no such thing as coincidence. But that's another conversation for. Listen. Another topic for another day. we we'll are just keep it moving. But I'm in a car. And I'm thinking. And I'm like okay. And the Holy Spirit just kind of just put on my heart real quick. Like read John 2. I was like John 2. He was like yeah. Remember when Jesus did that thing that one time in that one wedding. Yeah I want you to go back and read it. So I was like. Mm, okay so pick up the phone and we're gonna read it together real talk this is real time so let's do it so john 2 you know i read from the nlt version which is the new living translation and we're gonna stop from the start from the very top so it says the wedding at cana the next day there was the wedding celebration in the village of cana in galilee jesus's mother was there And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Verse 4, Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Five, but his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Six, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing each could hold 20 to 30 gallons and then you know how the I'm pause there you know the rest of the story goes he literally did what he said you know he wasn't going to do he was like listen i'm not about to do this miracle and bring all this attention to me because i understand god's timing so i won't do it but i'll go ahead and bless the obedience of the disciples that if they listen to me and listen to what i say then what as they are operating in obedience they are actually going to be operating in my first miracle and that's a word right there did you hear what i said sometimes god knows how to bless people and make a blessing come to fruition not only through his own means but the obedience by other people's hands hmm yeah because jesus never touched that water you understand oh you don't believe me matter of fact why the holy spirit got me doing that let's just go ahead and read verse seven jesus told the servants fill the jars with water Jesus told the servants fill the jars with water when the jars had been filled he said now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies so the servants followed his instructions when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine not knowing where it had come from though of course the servants knew he called the bridegroom over 10. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. 11. This miraculous sign at Cana was Galilee, was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. 12. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Let me explain something to you. I wasn't even going to go this route, but that's a word right there. How many times in your your life has God told you to do something and you missed out on that blessing because you did not follow that instruction this particular illustration right here is proof up in the pudding that when you listen to what Jesus says when you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when you listen to the prompting of do this and do this in this timing that you then reap the benefit of your obedience and you will actually be performing a miracle that you had no idea that you were a part of until you actually see that you were obedient the disciples did not see the miracle as they were filling the six jugs up that wasn't the miracle that was the obedience activating the miracle the miracle wasn't even in the fact that okay they filled the water jars to the top because the instructions in verse 7 said jesus told the servants fill the jars with water when the jars had been filled okay so you did that part right okay so jesus now what he said now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies So in between listening to Jesus and then walking in that obedience, come on Holy Spirit, in between filling up the water, in between going to Jesus and say, okay, I did that part, and then walking from the water jug to the master of ceremonies, there was a miracle in that walk. Do you understand how powerful it is to to keep your ear to Jesus, to let God go ahead and tell you what needs to be done for you to go ahead and not only hear it, but to actually do it, but to be walking actively, walk it out To walk it out. The obedience comes from you walking it out. Not just doing a thing. Did you walk it out? Because had they go ahead and filled those water jugs up and just left it there, then guess what? The, the, The miracle wouldn't have been activated then. The obedience wasn't unlocked at that time. It was the part two of, okay, so now that you've done that, walk it over to the master of ceremonies. Oh, my goodness. I hope you got what you needed there. I promise you, I wasn't even gonna go this route, but oh my goodness, I promise, I, I hope that you got what you needed there. <laughs> but let me get back to what I was originally trying to call you for. But that that right there, isn't that right there good? So again, what I was gonna call you for, and what we gonna go ahead and talk about, cause some, that was for someone. So go ahead and take that free admission. I'm not even gonna charge you uh, any extras for that. I'm not gonna do you like Chipotle. It, it ain't no extra for that, okay? You get an extra scoop for free, okay? But what I wanna bring your attention to Is what he told his mother in verse 4. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. I want to dissect that. The fact that we are so quick to run to situations because we've seen and identify a problem, but we are not careful enough to dissect, is it our problem? Is it my problem? Let me explain to you why Jesus didn't even see it as his problem. Number one, um, the issue was not assigned to him. Oh, come on. I know you, heard, <laughs> I'm going to have to do it like a pastor. I know you heard me. The issue was not assigned to him. That's why he was sure to say, Mm-mm, that's not our problem. Number two, he didn't feel a personal prompting. It didn't bother Jesus that they was out of wine, because as we just read a few minutes ago, Buddy was like, you know what? (laughs) They was good and drunk, but now you come out and you're bringing out your best wine. So it wasn't, you know, that there was any type of like "Mm, stir up in Jesus. He was like, I don't feel no prompting to do nothing. The third thing is that it didn't harm him, anyone close to him or the greater good of the situation. The wedding didn't slack because they were out of wine. It's not like the lights went out. It's not like, wait a minute, the the AC went out and it's hot. It, it wasn't any of that. So I was like, Jesus, did you not look at that as a problem because it wasn't assigned to you? You didn't feel a personal prompting and you didn't see the harm that it would cause if this situation wasn't resolved in any kind of way. And I felt, you know, if I may, I did feel like I was like, that's exactly it. So I was like, time out. I think we are defining problem wrong in our lives. How many times is there a problem and you're the first one to run to it, trying to resolve everything, trying to do all these different things? So I was like, okay, let me just do what I know to do best. Let's go ahead and define problem. Problem, according to the good Oxford Dictionary, the good bishop and the ministry thereof, is defined as, it's a noun, And it's defined as a matter or situation regarded as unwelcome or harmful and needing to be dealt with and overcome. Did you hear what I just said? A matter or situation regarded as unwelcome or harmful and needing to be dealt with and overcome. How many times do you find that you are running to everyone's proverbial fire with your own personal extinguisher? And then after you keep running from one person to one person to one person, or maybe even the same person, you are so depleted that you're like, I'm tired. And for some reason, you keep doing it and keep doing it. And what the enemy is trying to slowly do to you is make you feel like helping people is a bad thing. So now you're getting a salty taste in your mouth when it comes to helping people. When that's just a godly thing, you have no idea. God loves someone who is a, a helper. God loves someone who looks at someone who, who is in need and say, you know what? I can feel that. But God also will give you that message internally if that is your assigned problem. Jesus was wise enough to say, mm why are you telling me about somebody's wedding and, 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 or somebody's wine running out at a wedding? And when I look around, I don't see a problem. I don't see anything that is unwelcome or harmful or needing to be dealt with and overcame. I I don't see that. I see people at a wedding having a good time. I see people who are already drunk. Okay, they ran out. I don't feel no personal prompting. And I understand what a problem is personally enough to know that it's not a sign to me. Man, if we were just to grab some of that and and not let our wiring and 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 willingness and our heart to help people run us to the ground. You have to understand that how you are assigned and how you are wired, the enemy kind of has a little bit of a, a knowledge on that and he will try to pervert that to the point that you're like, I don't even want anything to do with the way I'm wired. If you're wired to make people laugh and make people feel good, you'll notice that you keep coming into hard times where you're not smiling and there's nobody to make you laugh. And you're like, I don't want to go out and make people laugh no more. I don't want to make people feel good. I don't want to be the life of the party. I don't want to be someone's cheer upper because no one is that for me. And what you have to understand is how you are wired. That There is a mirrored dark, <laughs> dark life that the enemy is trying to go ahead and say, how can I squeeze this out of you? This greatness that God put in you, this greatness that I literally seen when I was in the heaven courts, this greatness in you, how can I squeeze it out, out of you to the point that you say, you know what I don't even want it no more I don't even want to activate that I don't even want to participate in that I'm done with the way I'm wired I felt that way naturally how I'm wired I'm a helper and there's been so many times that I've ran to people and done things and made myself available only to sit back at my hardest most difficult times and feel like I was all alone all this family, all these friends, all these associates, all these people on my social media platform, all these people, contact people in my phone, all of these resources. And I feel alone. So I started to feel this coldness and this chip on my shoulder that I was like, I don't want to help nobody. I'm going to look out for myself. And I'm. And it took for God to tap me on my shoulder and say, that's a demonic, demonic mindset that the enemy is trying to get you to subscribe to please don't wear that lens because I didn't give you that prescription and I was like okay so people are helping me and I'm just not seeing it he was like no you're helping people I never asked you to help Somebody shouldering a phone bill, you running, you running to go ahead and see what resources you can put to that. Somebody shouldering a rent, you helping with that. Somebody needs a sh- you know, shoulder to the crying on. You waking up two, three o'clock in the morning, knowing that you got to go to work the next day, and so you are depleting yourself. And please understand that when God assigns you something, He will never deplete you. The Bible literally says, "For His yoke is light, and His burden is easy." And I may be flipping that around, but literally, there is no burden to what God assigned. There is no burden to a blessing. And it took for me to come out of that lens, for me to come out of that mindset to say, okay, God, so that's not from you. And, and I'm not going to hold you. It, it did hurt a little bit. Like, wait, you wired me to help, but I can't help everybody. Correct. Jesus didn't. Jesus Jesus tried to help those who wanted to be helped. He said those were ears that I'm here. Mind you, he could have helped the entire universe. He didn't. So why are you trying to walk around and be Jesus? And this is the conversation God was having with me. And I was like, hmm. So that's how I know offhand, Jesus didn't see a problem. That's how I can look now in the state that I'm at now and say, okay. So I now understand that problems have to be assigned. Problems will be confirmed with a personal prompting. And problems will have some type of harm to it that God will wired you to fix. Only you. Cause there will be problems that will stir you up that other people's like, "Eh, not a big deal and vice versa. So the second part of what Jesus said, and that's just the first part. I, I stopped there and was like, Ooh, that's good. But going back to what he said in verse four to his mother, to Mary, dear woman, that's not our problem. So we got the, we got the nugget and the fruit on that, right? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. So I was like, what, what what, do you mean by that? And the confirmation that I got was, Jesus understood that he was capable, but he wasn't called yet. Oh my goodness, did you hear me? That he was capable, but he wasn't called yet. Do you know what kind of wisdom you need to embody to know your full listing of ingredients, all your capabilities, all your wiring, all your nicks and crannies about your personality and God's assignment for your life and know without a shadow of a doubt, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of, but I haven't been called to to utilize it yet. Whew! How many heartbreaks and irritations and frustrations will we save save ourselves from? Real talk. You understand? Like, literally, you know how capable you are of being a wonderful wife, an amazing husband? Oh, the way that you see family and the way that you want to just love on somebody and come home and do all these different things and share a life and build an empire and this, that, and that. And you have all these capabilities, but you're not called yet. You're not called yet. You still got some things you need to clean up. You're still not an effective communicator. You, you, you still need to go ahead and practice, you know, the love verses in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, love, love, love is what, what love is. You, you need to read that. And then when you read in that and the love, joy and the peace and love is kind and all that love does not boast. Love is not. Love keeps no record of wrongdoing. I need you to go ahead and really assess yourself humbly and say, where do I fall in with love? Ooh! Before I want to go ahead and be head over anyone, before I go ahead and want to be helpmate to any head, what I need to go ahead and do is see how do I measure up when it comes to love? Because the covenant of marriage says, um, through sickness and health, right, and then death to us, what part, right? And so, yeah, you can, you probably are capable for going ahead and mustering some of that up, but are you called to love anyone the way that marriage requires yet? that promotion at work. Oh, I know you can run laps around your manager. Oh, I absolutely, listen, I ain't gonna hold you. I see your greatness, <laughs> you understand? I understand what God put in you. I know that you can. See, you see the problem right now. You don't need another two weeks, another two years, another nothing. You seen the problem yesteryear, yesterday. You seen it and you're like, you know what? It is irritating and I know what to do, but you know what, you weren't called to be promoted. Yet, oh, you have no idea the managerial stress that comes with certain situations. You have not developed the apt to be able to have those difficult conversation with higher-ups or even the people that you are assigned to. Yet, because in certain positions, it's not just you answering to one person. You got to answer to a couple of people and you got to back yourself up when you're doing a thing. And I know you probably think you got that down pat, but you know what? There are some mornings that mm, you're not the best you. There are some things in your personal life that you haven't learned to check out the door yet. There are some, you know, time management issues that you may want to brush up on. The way that you don't walk in excellence all the time or the way that you're not consistent or the way that you're not persistent or your follow through or your reliability, you may want to brush up on that. Hmm? You're capable, but you haven't been called to be promoted there yet. Oh, I know you want to have children so bad. Oh, I'm talking about the names that you keep writing with the script, pretty, and how you say it in your head. And you're like, oh, this is going to be dope. And Listen, I know all of that. But you do know that parenting is way more than naming, dressing, and providing housing for, right? Like literally, I think that it should be against the law to have children when you are not capable of having children, when you are capable of having children, but you weren't called to have children. You are literally going to be responsible for another adult's activity in the world. Everything that you put in them or what you did not put in them will be shown in the world that you live in. Do you know how big of a responsibility that is? And do you know how much of a difference it would make if people looked at parenting through that lens? Oh, I know your eggs work, ma'am. I, I know your, your little swimmers is working, sir. But just because you're capable, are you called to be a mother now? Are you called to be a father now? Yeah, it's a difference being capable to do something and being called to do it. I'm telling you now. Oh, home ownership? You want to be a homeowner so bad? Why? Because you saw a living room set that you really like? Because hmm? you got the paint and decor? Or you got the family layout? Or you just had a parent, Yeah, I know that you probably are capable of going ahead and, you know, going through the home ownership process and closing and you got a couple of people who will move you. But, um, it is a danger to move from a location whether physical emotionally or mental whatever it is and not have the backing of the calling because let me explain something to you. you get into a home I don't care how ready you think you are if you are not blessed and anointed to go ahead and have made that move you will start to see that everything starts to break down everywhere you look around you can't save nothing the decor that you wanted to do you can't do because the ac them went out something happened with the roof how did they miss that in the particular um What's the thing the what's the thing that the people do the inspection? Yes. How did they miss that in the inspection? Um, are you called to home ownership yet? And the key nugget is I don't want you being I don't want you doing anything, great or small, in your own strength. I need you to start doing this personal prayer and saying, God, in the natural, I can do it, but I need you to put your super on my natural so I can do this supernaturally. Like I literally need that to be a part of your conversations from now on when you're talking in everyday life with God, like real talk. Because yeah, naturally it's cute, but supernatural is easy. Supernatural, it flows. Supernatural, the problems don't feel problematic. You understand? And so I have a two part challenge for you because this conversation, I really wanted to break down problem and then it, the second portion of it not being his time yet or not being your time yet. The first challenge is, do you show up to unassigned problems? And if you do, maybe you need to redefine problem. Problem isn't just somebody needs help. Then there will you will never uh, you will you will never rest. There will always be a quote unquote problem to resolve for someone. And stop blaming the way that you're wired and I just can't see somebody in need. Um, Excuse me. I'm telling you now, from some, from experience, I have helped people with resources and then my resources started looking funny. I have helped people with my time and then my time got limited and more limited. I have helped people and gotten sick. And I always looked at God like, how come I'm helping people and everybody, and nobody's helping me? And try to get that little temper tantrum in the, in the spirit. And God kindly looked at me and was like, who told you to help them? I didn't yeah you 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 using your last or you're close to last or you're a little bit of why I'm giving people my my car I'm just because I and I know where that came from it came from living a life where I felt like man if I had somebody to help me where would I have been so I tried to be for people where people weren't for me and I depleted myself are you showing up to unassigned problems That's my first challenge. My second one is, I just want you to get into revelation of this. Are you living life through your capabilities or through your calling? Did you hear me? Please don't look at your capabilities and all the awesomeness thereof and get to a place in your life where you like, I wasn't called to do any of this. Man, if I would have just focused on the assignments that God gave me, the calling that God put on my life, if I would have just put the same energy into my calling and really honed in on that, where would I have been? If I would have waited to get married until God made him a husband instead of trying to marry a man and low-key realizing he's still a boy. And now I have to spend this covenant trying to wait for him to grow up, trying to wait for her to grow up, when all the while God is like... I- I wasn't really trying to give you a premature blessing, but I can't forfeit your free will. You see what I'm saying? You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you, okay? These conversations, I want us both to walk away like, bro, I will never look at the miracle in Cana like uh, the same again, like real talk. But I love these conversations and I love having these conversations with you. So keep your phone nearby because you know when it rings, it's always your favorite homegirl. I told you later, okay? All right, later.